Welcome to the Bitter Grapes Podcast, where two ex-Christians bitch about growing up in the church. Hey, Andy. Hi, Nova. How's you? I'm doing pretty good. We both got snacks, so we're going to be crunching. Sorry, y'all. Um, so what are we doing right now, Andy? You found an article. I did find an article. We talked about it just now on our last episode, and I'm going to read it. Yes, you are. And we're going to react in real time. And I'm scared. Do you want me to just stop after each paragraph? Sure. Okay. Want a special someone who will bring you to your knees? One who will be totally in charge? One who will tell you that you are really, really bad and threaten you with punishments? Maybe you have a little daydream about being a captive virgin. Or maybe you prefer to fantasize about a man who is helpless, who, say, has his arms secured to a crossbeam. Christianity has something for everyone. (laughs) That did not go where I thought it was going to (laughs) go. At all. I, I concur. Alright. We'll move on to the second paragraph because that one doesn't provide much content. I'm not the first person to observe that religious and sexual ecstasy have a lot in common. Or that the love songs Christians croon to Jesus sound remarkably like other love songs. Nor am I the first to point out that Christian ministers, music- musicians, and recruiters play with this blurry boundary deliberately. Tim Tebow posing as sexy Jesus on the cross for GQ kind of says it all. As if there weren't enough Christian girls and boys struggling with Jesus fantasies already. He has three hyperlinks there. (laughs) Okay, so once you're finished chewing, I feel bad because they can probably hear us, but whatever. I don't care. I'm snacky. Okay, that's fine. Um, So my first thoughts are like, a lot of are about... um, the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't really have to do with the kink necessarily, but more so with the recruiting bit. I found out when watching the Hillsong um, documentary that the dude who did Hillsong, who one of the guys who's head of Hillsong in LA um, sought out Justin Bieber when he knew that there was an issue, like that Bieber was having issues. Yeah. And like cornered him basically. So, and they're, like, known to do so. So, like, speaking of the recruiter bit, that's a thing. Well, I mean, I can confirm that from some of our experiences at Vineyard, and I've, either you or I, it's been mentioned. Mm-hmm. You and I both noticed mm-hmm. pretty early on that most of our pastors had fixer-uppers, little projects Okay. That they would kind of latch onto and pour just a little bit more love into. Okay, I get where you're, get where you're going with this now. And it was always, maybe not always, more times than not, it was someone who had a really shitty home life, mm-hmm. had a really hard, no, well, no, not even having a hard time making friends because I saw some people who at church had hard time making friends that they did not snatch up but that's Mm -hmm. not my issue here there was a there was something in common with most of these kids that the pastors were snatching up they had shitty home lives Mm -hmm. they had already been exposed to drugs and alcohol yeah premarital sex like Mm -hmm. things that 
church told us God would intervene with if mm-hmm. we allowed him to. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of see that as an, 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 it's an evangelical principle. Because you told me a story in one of our previous episodes about your dad linking you up with the new pastor at the Adventist church Mm -hmm. and how she was trying to poke holes in your community to try and see where she could find a a way and grab you. Yeah. It was really obvious too. That was what was weird about it. Yeah. And it's the unfortunate reality to that is there are a lot of people in our circles and at back at Vineyard Mm -hmm. who were brought in on those same premises that Mm -hmm. they, they were lacking in community. They were being exposed to very mature content before they were ready for it. And I, I don't want to say that our pastors did that maliciously. They didn't Mm -hmm. because that's what they were instructed to do. That's what we were instructed to do. I think it's, it's like they had good hearts. They were just in the wrong place. Yeah, and it's it's also a question of do I agree with that? Do we agree with that practice? Right. Right, because I think about my buddy, um, the Chipotle manager, yeah. who got snatched up by Xenos. Um, Are we still going to have him on here at some point? I don't really talk to him anymore. Understood. Okay, moving uh, on. Yeah, he had a baby and just dropped off the face of the earth. Love that. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyways, he was definitely one of those situations where, like, he got um, snatched up and it was because he didn't have community. Yeah. And that is genuinely something that the church has that a lot of other places don't. But what I will say to that on top of it is a lot of people don't seek it out. Yeah. I will speak to, for instance, the whole Pokemon thing, like we were talking about just now um, beforehand where we started uh, filming or recording again about like pre-release and like going and seeing like the same people every week. And like I could go on Wednesdays if I didn't have something else or that, like I have my zoom people, mm-hmm. people I can count on. I have artsy people. Like there was no need for someone to poke holes in that. Well, and I think what it comes back to, you said that it's not something people go out of their way to seek. Mm-hmm. I think it's because a lot of people don't realize that it's something they need until they're told it's something they need. Mm-hmm. Prior to church, I really didn't feel lacking in the community or people that gave quite a, or at least a couple fucks about me mm-hmm. until I got to church and it was, this is what community looks like and we're mm-hmm. here for you and we're behind you and so is Jesus. Oh, well, this is nice. Mm-hmm. And then, then it becomes the question of where has this been all my life? Mm-hmm. I want more of this. And then when you decide to leave, yeah, whatever community you build, you did so of your own volition. And I think that's what makes it look a lot harder to do. Because yeah. church community is kind of thrust upon you, especially yeah. when you're brand new. Mm-hmm. Vineyard had a whole newcomers class yep. that we had to go to. Yep. And that was how you became a bona fide member of Vineyard. Right. And then once you did that, we're going to get you plugged in with the ministry. And we have Mm -hmm. singles ministries. We have new mom ministries. We have pro-life ministries. We have single dad ministries. We have PTA mom ministries. Hey, Echo. Echo, go lay down. God damn it. Go lay down. I love you. 
you you had a ministry for everybody, so it became this issue of there is no excuse. You should be here, right? Um, AKA, you should be giving us your money because a lot of the events that they hosted cost money to go yeah. to. That's very true. The singles barbecues or cookouts or parties that they would throw, mm-hmm. I think it was like thirty thirty five dollars a head. Oh wow! And I don't know how I don't know exact numbers of how many singles were at Vineyard, but mm-hmm. my one of my aunts volunteered with mm-hmm. the singles ministry, and she said that a lot of these parties would have upwards of two to three hundred people. $35 a person, that's a, that's a decent chunk of change. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to worry about a lot for a while if I had that much money in my pocket at any one time. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean... Well, I can also speak to, like, my cousin, the, the transphobic one from Christmas, um, left Xenos because he couldn't find a wife and went to Vineyard for new blood. Great. For new meat. Yeah. I mean, Hillary Faye did that same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, it's not fucking uncommon. Well, and I think that's one reason Vineyard was really quick to tell us as kids, mm-hmm. hey, don't get in the habit of church shopping. Don't get mm-hmm. in the habit of hopping to different churches. Mm-hmm. If you see something wrong with your church, you need to stay and you need to fix it. No, what it was, was they, it sh- they should have had an asterisk somewhere in a pamphlet when they had that sermon. Mm-hmm. And then when the, at the end of it, they tell you to open to that specific page where that asterisk is mm-hmm. until you know how to do it. Yeah. Don't hop churches until you know how to do it and you're doing it for the right reasons. That makes sense. I want to go back to this cause, um, yeah. Thank you. Um, Andy was asking for my uh, views. I'm being needy. Eh, you're allowed to be needy. Well, it's that or I leap across the table like um, Nightcrawler and X-Men mm. to go get my charger, and I don't have the physical or emotional energy to dedicate to that right now. Understandable. Let me do this cereal real quick. <laughs> you have no idea how excited I was to see Frankenberry, Boo Berry, and Count Chocula <laughs> back on the shelf. I just needed chocolate, man. Just needed chocolate. Okay, moving on. Early pagan religions incorporated sexuality explicitly into religious practice. For example, in the form of temple prostitutes or fertility rites or sacred sexuality. Some Dharmic traditions like Tantric Buddhism continue to do so today. Given the power of religion to arouse and exploit sexual energy, it should come as no surprise that sacred sexuality takes a wide variety of forms, or that, despite an overt attempt by the Abrahamic traditions to constrain and control sexuality, these traditions also make use of the very same urges they seek to suppress. Hmm. Interesting. Do we want to jump to the next paragraph that kind of expands on that? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Okay. One offshoot of the religion, sensuality, sexuality nexus that doesn't get talked about much is the relationship between Christianity and kink. On the surface, the two couldn't appear more different. Christianity has often advocated abstinence or sex exclusively for procreation as a means to propagate the religion itself, while kink is about consensual pleasuring limited only by an agreement between the individuals involved. Real quick, that is a fucking amazing way of saying that. It is. I really do have to get, give it to them that they said that really well. Um, checking my own views. I wonder if this is a kinkster that wrote this or an ex-Christian or a current Christian that wrote this. 
maybe a current Christian kinkster. Well, like... Those exist? I, I understand that they do, but it's the same thing as how many Christians do you know that carry a, a deck of tarot cards with them? Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I don't know any right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was still kind of teetering on leaving the church when I went to my first kink meeting with you. Mm-hmm. So... I forgot you came to that. Yeah, it was at Donato's of all places. <laughs> I was so blown by that. And it's not happening anymore. The place doesn't really matter anymore. Anyways... Christianity can be thought of as seeking to sublimate or redirect sexual passion while kink tries to enhance it. Christianity claims to be about the end game while kink often is about the moment. Christianity is deadly serious while kink commonly is framed as playful. Christianity is a multi-billion dollar, multi-billion member, multinational enterprise. While kink is a small counterculture without, without revenue and membership goals. Thoughts. While I take this drink of water because my mouth is watering because of the cereal. My my immediate thought is I really want to send this to Mrs. M. Oh yeah. And hear her thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. Just because again, the way Vineyard presented sex to us, mm -hmm. it was literally on the premise of you only do this when you're married, and we don't talk about it past that because you're not there yet, so you don't need to worry about that. Right. Okay, well, I'm here now. I got the I got the expensive rock on my hand. My mm -hmm. sex life is wonky. And if I was still jacked up on Jesus, I would have a metric shit ton of questions. Yeah. And I don't know I don't know what those answers would be. Yeah. I I shudder um, at what some of those answers would be. I I get the sense that there would be a lot of, "Well, what are you doing to facilitate such a relationship?" I feel like it would be a lot of blame and shame. Yeah, I think um I think about a specific song I really like is speaking to um, the idea of what you would think now or it, like if you were still in Christianity, what you would think about the sex life. Um, it's uh, Beachfront Property by Spanish Love Songs and there's a line, um, don't believe in God, figured he'd be a better planner than this. Have I talked about this? I'm grinning from ear to ear because you're the one that showed me that song. I love that song so much. Um, it was absolutely fantastic when I got to uh, see it live. And I'll have to show you the lo-fi version. The lo okay. I'll, I'll put the lo-fi version on here um, on the on the podcast. Because, well, so I'm a uh, quick tangent on that. They switched um, So It's the End of Days to Well, It's the End of Days. You and I were talking about that right. when I did your pictures. Yeah. So, like, I think about, um, in regards to that, I could not have imagined the life I have now. And at the same time, I wish I could believe that God would have had a better plan. Like, I wish I believed that. Mm. But I know that's not true because I know I wouldn't be happy there. Yeah. I know I'm on my best path forward, at least at this point in time. Who knows what it looks like next year. Mm -hmm. A year ago, I was in a really bad spot. I was fucking strung out. Like, I was in a bad spot. Um, but now I'm in a really good spot. So, like, who knows what the future has. That being said, like, I don't think any 
Christian divine being could have come up with a better option than what I have right now. Well, and that was always a really funky thing in vineyard culture that always just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. There was this idea that it was it was acceptable to just randomly walk up to each other and be like, I just feel the need to tell you that the Lord has told me that you are going to be a church wife and it's going to be wonderful mm-hmm. and you're going to have all these things that you currently covet and it's just going to be great and you just need to hold on for that and you need to stay faithful mm-hmm. for that. Or I just need you to know that all, all your friends are sitting on the other side of the auditorium right now, but you will always have a friend in Jesus. <laughs> Two very real conversations that I had with adult female leaders. Oh, wow. Ellie came up and said the um, wife thing. Mm. And then there was one adult leader. I can't remember her name, but she was only with us in middle school. Oh, wow. And she felt the need to come up and say that the friend thing to me because Hillary Fay, Caleb, Aaron, Michael, Kyle, Mahala, those six mm-hmm. were all sitting on the couch and didn't save a seat for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I was just like, Oh, okay. And I kind of shrugged and I walked to the back of the gym mm-hmm. to just stand there for worship. And she came up to me and she, and she literally said, I just really feel pressed to tell you that, you might feel like you don't have friends in this season of your life, but you will always have a friend in Jesus. So real quick to just jump back to the um, reconciling differences thing. Why did we have couches if we wanted everyone to feel the same? Ooh, good one. I don't know. Because that was really weird. That seemed really favorative. Favoritist. I don't yeah, know. it's like whoever gets here the earliest gets the comfy seat. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to give the illusion of being laid back and yeah, we're not like real church. Okay. Yeah. But no. So my whole point to that was there was this whole idea that it was acceptable to walk up and just openly prophesy over people and mm-hmm. tell them what God was going to envision for them. Mm-hmm. And I remember for a split second, I liked the idea of being that smoking hot church wife mm-hmm. that only talked for 10 minutes at the pulpit. <laughs> And then showed up for singles affairs to just encourage the women to get married and have those babies. I, those, the Instagram videos that I've been sending you of that Mm -hmm. girl who mocks that. Yeah. That, I mean, she mocks it in a lot nicer of a way than I want to right now. And I commend her for that. Yeah. Just because I look back and I'm like, wow, how the fuck did I want that? Oh no, I completely agree. And like, That's why going back to, like, this kink versus Christianity thing, like, I will fully admit that there's probably a connection there. Fully. The way my, the way my relationship works, obviously there's a connection to how I feel about myself related to Christianity, related to blah, blah, blah. You can put the links together. Um, so, like, I think this is a really interesting concept, um, and even just the con- the idea that, like, the sublimate or redirect sexual passion, like, even that has the, the sub, the, the going b- below. Yeah. You're putting yourself below in some capacity, even though that's not, like, exactly what it means, but still. Right. Um, excuse <clears throat> me. Sorry. Just in tight. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's jump back into here, I think. 
But just beneath the surface, both communities may be leveraging a similar set of instincts and emotions. Consequently, comparing Christianity and kink may illustrate how seemingly unrelated activities can draw on some basic human impulses that we all share. I'm not suggesting that Christianity is all about sexual arousal, even sublimated or redirected sexual arousal. Although, though that most certainly is part of the, the big picture. Nor am I suggesting that kink typically represents a far-reaching moral and spiritual worldview, though perhaps, perhaps for some it does. I can attest to yes, it fucking does. Because I disagree on the idea that kink does not include uh, spirituality. Kink definitely includes spirituality for a, a large, a large amount of people within the scene. Moving on. Um, I am suggesting that kink and Christianity appear to tap an overlapping array of social and psychological impulses that include sexual arousal, moral emotions like shame and disgust, our tendencies to seek hierarchy, our desire to escape rationality, our heightened sensory ac acuity in the presence of emotional arousal, and our tendency to take tendency to take every pleasure to its extreme. In all of these, the themes of dominance and submission, inflicting pain, and receiving pain have parts to play. One thing I think he's missing is what we were just talking about, the community aspect. Because that is definitely a big part of it, is mm -hmm. like, it's the same fucking thing. You have the same social rules, and you see the same people every week for whatever it is, whether it's sub roundtable or um, uh, what were what were some of the other, like... Um, ones i can't remember there were different round tables every week different nights of the week uh and different like workshops and shit so there was definitely a, a community component to that that i think would be interesting to parallel as well as we go mm -hmm. um do you have anything about that or do you want me to keep going because i think the next bit is a uh, a main point let's hit the main point cool pleasure and pain in the past 500 years, few Christian writers have described the relationship between pleasure, pain and pleasure as graphically as St. Teresa of Avila, whose 16th century vision of mystical union with God drips with sexuality. Okay, Teresa. <laughs> In his hand, I saw a golden spear, and at the end of the iron tip, I seemed to see a point of fire. With this, he seemed to pierce my heart several times so that it penetrated to my entrails. When he drew it out, I thought he was drawing them out with it, and he left me completely afire with a great love for God. The pain was so sharp that it made me utter several moans, and so excessive was the sweetness caused me by the intense pain that one can never wish to lose it, nor will one's soul be content with anything less than God. That sounds like a big dick. Yeah. Sounds like a really big dick. If you told me that E.L. James had written that, I would not question it. Okay, so I recently found these kind of douchey dude bros on YouTube that watch shit, like they react to shit. Yeah. They're so funny because they're like douchey dude bros in like personality, but not in like actual belief. Not in character. Like they, they call out like like stupid, like toxic shit. Yeah. And like all of that. They're very socially conscious. Nice. Um, but they watched uh, Fifty Shades of Grey and it was really <laughs> it was really funny because they um, just it, were so uncomfortable with it. <laughs> like, you've never seen, like, 20, 22-year-old guys so uncomfortable. 
It was great. Okay. Whereas inversely, in my contemporary literature class my senior year of high school, mm-hmm. my friends Eric and Brockton snatched up my copy of Fifty Shades Darker and sat in the back reading it instead of working on their final project and then handed the book back to me and they were like, you said this is the second book? <laughs> like, with intrigue. And I'm like, um... Yeah, I've got the first one out in my car if you want it. <laughs> so speaking of books, I want to get through this next um, paragraph because I just saw a fun um, word. Still today, in some Christian traditions, pain and religious passion go hand in hand. Mother Teresa is quoted as saying that love isn't real unless it hurts. In one anecdote, she tells a suffering woman that her pain is the kiss of Jesus. The nuns of Mother Teresa's order, the missionaries of charity, have practiced self-mortification techniques, including striking their legs with rope or wearing a spiked chain called a silis. This is the part I wanted to get to. Dan Brown's thriller, The Da Vinci Code, was a wild fantasy, but the mortification practices of the Ordus Opus Dei are real. Hmm. So, like... (laughs) Thank you for pain. Thank you for pain. I'm just TBH. TBH. I did kind of like the beginning of the Da Vinci Code. I've never read it and I never saw the movie. I read it as like a sixth grader because no one knew anything about it. They knew the movie was coming out. Yeah. But I got the book before the movie came out and my parents never saw the movie. Oh. So they never knew what I saw. Okay. And what I read. So, like, the first fucking scene is this guy self-flagellating. And I'm like, oh, I have feelings. Okay. <laughs> That's odd. Um, so, yeah, I speaking of books yeah. was where I was going huh. with that. That and, um, you know, the torture scene in Casino Royale? Yes. I got the book of that so I could read the scene. Huh. <laughs> I, <laughs> confessions time, apparently. <laughs> Oui, évidemment, merci. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know people who would then, with that, with the French, I, I can hear the, the sadism of my friends with the French for some reason. <laughs> Making you speak French and doing things at the same time <laughs> to see if they can crack you. <laughs> Yep, you're welcome. You're welcome for that thought. Great. Um, (laughs) With or without the erotic overtones, pain appears to heighten some spiritual experiences through several mechanisms. Mechanisms. Self-inflicted pain or voluntary submission to pain can be proof of commitment, as in gang initiations. It may offer temporary relief from guilt, anxiety, emptiness, or self-loathing, like self-cutting does for some depressed girls and others. It may produce an endorphin release as when runners and rowers push past a pain threshold. It may intensify focus on the present moment by causing distractions to recede into the background, like pinching oneself can do. It may offer a mesmerizing rhythm of sensation, as in headbanging. The point isn't that Christian penance and self-mortification are always or even usually erotic. They aren't, but that both Christianity and kink can use pain as as sensory enhancers. Thoughts. I don't know if I necessarily have any, like, useful thoughts to any of that, just because, uh, aside from the one thank-you-for-pain example that I have mm-hmm. to readily use, 
we weren't really ever taught anything that suggested pain or love should hurt. Mm. We weren't taught that pain is coincidental with our... We were taught that it was, but it wasn't. What I was about to say was it wasn't overt. It was covert. It was like implied. By nature, by design, your walk with Jesus is going to be hard. That's kind of how it was presented to yeah, us. Yeah, because I think they're more talking about the relationship with Jesus, not so much the marriage portion. Yeah. I think that's what they're getting at is more so the being subservient to Jesus and all of that. Right. I don't know. And... I think I'm just having a, I, I think I'm just kind of hitting a brick wall with it just because, yeah, in my mind, the, like, I see the parallels, I see the similarities, but mm. it's, for me personally, it's really hard to think about those two things together because for so long, the only thing remotely close to anything sexual we talked about was purity and why it matters. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. And maybe that's my fault for not waiting it out and seeing what they had to say after I got married. But, well, I don't think they would take too well to me marrying somebody who flirts along the lines of Satanism and atheism. Yeah. As opposed to just atheism. Yeah. Yeah, speaking, going back to, like, the paganism thing. It's it's a misnomer. Ancient paganism, yes. But if you were to speak to modern paganism, the majority of people, unless they're part of a almost cult-like um, sect, I'll use that word, um, for the most part, people are not about the sexuality, or at least not non-consensually. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of consent that goes into it, at least theoretically. There, Because, like, I was at um, Hexfest in New Orleans mm-hmm. before the pandemic, and uh, there was a guy who I talked about my initiation and, or my dedication, not my initiation. Was it? I don't know. Whatever. I, I did both. Um, and he was like, oh, oh, honey, I'm so sorry because I was talking about it being Gardnerian. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Does, does, has anyone told you? And I'm like, and told he's like, what? oh, no, that's sexual abuse. I'm like, no, it's not. I didn't. We didn't do that. Like, we didn't, we didn't do that part. Like, No. Like, that's fine. Um, So it's not as mainstream as one might want you to believe. Not necessarily this article, but just, like, in general. Hmm. I don't know. Like, there was something in there that you said that triggered something in me to say, but I can't remember what it was. Sorry. No, it's not your fault. I just... There was... There was one conversation that I was, I wasn't a part of. I was just kind of an observant of on Mm -hmm. one of the retreats that we went on. Yeah. The the adults were having a conversation and they were joking about like, not necessarily kink in, in that sense, but one of the, one of the adult pastors or adult leaders was talking about how he couldn't fathom that there are people out there who would get their nipples pierced and then have it chained through their, like, or he said something like, I just can't believe that there's people out here that get their noses pierced and then have it chained to their nipples and then chained back up to their ears. And I don't, I just don't see how people, how someone can get pleasure from that. (laughs) 
I mean, I can, but that's beside the point. But you see how someone can get salvation from someone hanging on a cross? Yeah. Yeah. Please make that make sense to me, Mr. Man. I really need clarification on this. <laughs> oh, I love you. I love me too, but I love you more. <laughs> um, do you want me to... Is that is there more? Is oh yeah, there's it? more. I'll, I'll jump through the next three paragraphs. We'll go section at a time at this yeah, point. Yeah, let's do it. That works for me. Okay. Bondage and slavery. The Bible has its share of stories about master-slave relations and other funky sex starting with Adam, who sleeps with his female clone, and Abraham, who has sex with his half-sister-slash-wife Sarah, as well as her slave, and Lot's daughters, who, are be af who after being offered to a rabbling mob, mob, not mob, mob, <laughs> rabbling color, uh, get their father drunk so they can conceive by him. Then there's the temptress Delilah who ties Samson up and finally saps his strength by cutting off his hair after their time together. And we can't forget Solomon with his 700 wives and 300 concubines or sex slaves. It wasn't violence alone that got the Bible reviewed by Hong, Kong, Hong Kong's media regulators. Some people were shocked by all of the humping in Robert Crumb's illustrated version of Genesis, but the Bible's naughty bits have been staples for generations of teenage boys stuck in church. Of course, a key difference between these stories and modern sexuality is that dominance and kink is dictated by preference rather than gender. Also, both ethics and law dictate that BDSM actions require the enthusiastic consent of both parties, which definitely is not the case in the Bible stories. Fortunately, most scholars think of the Bible stories as either mythologized history or historicized mythology rather than a factual record of events. As fortune, also fortunately, as Greta Christina pointed out in the introduction to her kinky novella, Bending, most people who enjoy fictional violence or coercion, murder mysteries, spy novels, rape fantasies, or sexual slavery, would not seek to enjoy the same experiences in real life. When it comes to bondage, perhaps the most common stimulus in the Christian tradition is the crucifixion itself, with its glorified beatific, beatif, beatific, Images of Jesus hanging and swooning, eyes half-lidded. The crucified Jesus is almost never depicted as short, ordinary-looking Semite. Instead, whether Caucasian, Middle Eastern, or Black, he is usually lanky and well-muscled with perfect skin and a face that fits some artist's view version of male beauty. Small wonder Tim Tebow slipped so easily into the pose. Hmm. What are your thoughts on that section? Um... I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking. Having been the one to read it, I didn't get to have, like, the secondary thought process in my head. Like, the commentary, you know? See, I'm listening to your words, and I'm not thinking about what I want to say to it. <laughs> okay, the first thing I have to say is I, I don't know whether... <laughs> I'm not sure word about the word semite here in this context. I'm just going to throw that out here. Um, I'm not sure could be correct but i remember them saying more like israelite is the more correct term but well, i don't know yeah that's also the word used in the bible right because like i know that that has different connotations depending on who's saying it yeah so just like pointing that out as a now i'm confused um but then again it could be one of those in this context it's more specific and correct i don't know i don't know either um, You're the narrator here. I'm just the innocent bastard. Um, so I think it's really uh, interesting, like, the, the examples he's giving 
um, or she, I think the author is a woman. Um, yes, Valerie Tarico is the um, blog. Um, and this is from 2013. Um, so like, I think it's interesting that there are these evidences of bondage and slavery and that it wasn't always non-sexual. Yeah. There were sexual elements to slavery at the time that weren't, or like Queen Esther. I just thought of that one. That was my favorite story when I was a kid. This um, is where I out myself as a shitty Christian and I did not commit much of the stories to memory. You're going to have to jog my This is another Adventist thing. This is another Adventist knowing the Old Testament better than average Christians. Um, Queen Esther was basically, um, I don't want to say accidentally concubined out by God, but that's the best way to put it. Like the king... Um, uh, kept getting mad at his wife's kind of Henry VIII situation. Oh, gotcha. And so then um, Mordecai was her uncle. Um, I can't remember which king it was um, at the moment, but uh, Mordecai, Mordecai, I can't, I don't remember the, the correct pronunciation. Um, he got like a message from God that she was supposed to become the new queen because the king had like a contest mm -hmm. for the new queen and I, I that story is buried in my memory um but it does speak to that like being submissive to god's will in regard to marriage to the degree of like um uh how do i say it um eh, no no restart on computer Away. What have you done? I didn't do anything. It was a pop-up, <laughs> goddammit. Oh. I lost my train of thought, though. Did Thanks. you download a virus onto my computer? I did not. I didn't look at any real porn. Just Jesus. Not this time. <laughs> Just Jesus spanking this poor person. Can I see your vape pretty, please? Yeah, only if I can see the pod that's on it, because mine's almost out. Yeah, that's... I don't need... I have a full pod. I don't need... I know, I have, I have full pods over there. I just don't want to get up right now, so I'm going to hit your pod. I feel um, that, because if I really wanted to get up, I would just go get the charger for mine so that I don't have to keep waiting to ask you directly for the vape. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I sort of got that, but then I kept forgetting. It's fine. Um. Anyways, um... I'm going to read this next one because it goes kind of into what we're talking about here. Discipline. Articles and forms devoted to Christian domestic discipline couch the practice in spiritual or religious terms. Wife spanking like child spanking is a means of maintaining the hierarchy that God established. You and I trampled upon one of those websites right out of high school. <laughs> and I was very bothered by it. You mean I showed you them once we were out of high school? <laughs> Yeah, I tried to give you some credit. I tried to protect you, but <laughs> under the bus we go. <laughs> I, li I like to jump in front of buses. That's what Gary has to hold my hand for. Okay. <laughs> he puts a little leash on me. I love oh, that. Oh, wait, that works. <laughs> I didn't mean for it to work, but it does. It just happened that way. It did. At least this person's wearing underwear, I have to say. There is underwear. There is. If this is the same picture you showed me an hour ago, the underwear were pulled down. No, they were not. The pants are. The underwear is not. Look, there is creasing right there. Right there. Right there. That means the underwear. No, no. I see what you're talking about now. They're wearing tidy whities and that's the band of the leg. Okay. What did you expect them to be wearing? 
I don't know. I thought it was Not like... tidy whities You know what? I don't know. Is it a thong? Boy shorts? I don't know. What year is this picture done? <laughs> I don't think boy shorts existed yet. Oh, I can't with you. I can't wearing any underwear. <laughs> exactly. There you are. Welcome. We have a guest with us that's been kind of hanging in the ether. My friend Morgan is with us, and she is here to chime in when she finds something worth chiming in on. Hi, Morgan. Hey, just observing. I love it. We need observers. Mm -hmm. Someone should be doing studies on us because we are not okay. <laughs> are you jotting any of this down? Mental notes. Mental okay. Notes. Considering all my diagnoses, I should be studied. Um, as it said, um, here we go. The underwear were off. Yeah. No, they were not. <laughs> You've just agreed, but go on. I'm so sorry. Means of maintaining the hierarchy that God's established with a man on top and his wife as his helpmate. Proponents are careful to distinguish their approach from secular kink, which they disparage. They establish a proper biblical context with texts like this one from the book of Hebrews. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Domestic discipline is described as a means to fend off this unholy culture with its radically selfish fem feminism and wholesale bias against true manhood, which launches relentless attacks against Christian, traditional Christian family values. And it is recommended for serious offen offenses such as the four D's. Disobedience, disrespect, dishonesty, or dangerous behavior. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I like the four D's. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to. Well, okay, so I'm getting flashbacks to the site that you showed me that right. detailed on a lot of this. Yeah. It gave instructions on how to administer right. CDD, as mm -hmm. they called it. Mm -hmm. And there was like a expert tip. Mm -hmm. thrown in there saying put a towel on your lap because stress incontinence will happen how hard are you spanking your wife that she pisses herself because i've <laughs> wait hold on what if what if she already had to pee i okay i would really hope since the bible tells men to love their wives that you would let her go to the bathroom first yeah, are you no sure it's pee? no time for that <laughs> you've pissed me off <laughs> Funny. You have pissed me off and now I don't give a fuck if you piss on me. But what if it's not pee? Okay. What if they're aroused? See, so I wondered about that wow. too. Mm-hmm. But they they explicitly said she will lose control of her bladder and urinate. That's probably what she told them. But uh, maybe. That makes sense. <laughs> but let me finish my thought really quick. <laughs> I, and I'll throw myself under the bus. You can step in front of it. I am underneath it already. <laughs> I have gotten spanked pretty hard mm -hmm. just in many of our ENM dealings that we do. Never to the point that I have pissed myself. No. Never to the point that I have felt that, like I was going to piss myself. No, man. And also, if you're hitting them in the wrong place, because yes, there is a spot right on your lower back that mm -hmm. if I hit you hard enough kidneys you, yeah your kidneys are gonna spasm and you're gonna piss yourself oh yeah that's a good point i didn't think about the kidneys so either you're hitting her in the wrong place and you don't know what you're doing and you have no business doing it mm -hmm. or yeah. you're hitting her too hard and you don't know what you're doing and you need to stop doing it 
Yeah. There. <laughs> that, that, that's my two cents on the matter. And I'm going to say, because I, I know I know you and your pain tolerance versus me and my pain tolerance and experience and all those kinds yeah. of things. There is no circumstance under which that should happen. There is no circumstance. I cannot think of a time when I have done anything comp, uh, impact play-wise that has caused that feeling. Yeah. That never happens. You have to be doing something terribly wrong for that to be happening. And I mean, I'm talking about, uh, we, like, I have used many different types of toys and there is nothing on planet earth that should do that to somebody. I don't know. Um, there are certain people that I know that, uh, um, own a, a paddle that somewhat resembles a charcuterie board. It's pro <laughs> I mean, it's probably about somewhat remembers a charcuterie board. It, 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 it kind of does. It, I don't know like numerically how thick that is. That's a, that's a thick dick. That's a thick dick thick. Um, thick dick thick. I'm trying to find something to compare it to. Wine bottle. Wine bottle? What? Like the the top of that bottle right there. No, it's yeah, it's about the same width as the Smirnoff top. The the top of a Smirnoff bottle, like the cap, <laughs> the width of the cap. Uh, so I mean that's maybe an inch thick. Yeah. Yeah, about an inch thick. <laughs> Thank you. Fantastic. Um, so it's about an inch thick. Mm -hmm. And certain people that I know mm -hmm. have had it make contact with them mm -hmm. with a very intense schmack. <laughs> and it, it, it hurt and it... it, it I, I hear that it hurt. <laughs> I hear that it hurt. Good correction. Yes. It, it, thank you. It left welts. I hear that it left welts for at least like three days. Mm -hmm. But again, not enough to piss myself. So anyway, all of that to say, Supposedly. there are toys out there that possibly could do that if used egregiously wrong. Fair. If used egregiously wrong is kind of the point there. Because it would, it would take like... But in fairness too, that website says it should be your hand. It should not be either your hand or like the back of a hairbrush. Right. So like, um, I don't understand this pissing yourself thing. Yeah. I mean, couldn't it just be like a fear thing? Like, That's possible. Ooh. Okay. I'm glad we brought you. <laughs> I like, I like this. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's actually, I, I could see that if someone's not... Especially if it's like a newly married couple where that's not something that she was privy to to begin with. Unless she grew up in that kind of a household as well. I I would be scared shitless, pissless, body fluidless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. I, I get that. But yeah, so. The fact that this... The fact that there are sites out there instructing married couples on how to administer that level of a, a punishment. Mm -hmm. I I know in kink usually there's like a compulsory beginning conversation of mm -hmm. where does this end for you? Where does this stop for you? Mm -hmm. Where does this no longer work for you? Yeah. I considering what little we were told about sex after mm -hmm. marriage. Yeah. 
little 16-year-old Christian Andy wasn't having those kinds of conversations with boys that she thought she was going to marry. It was just, mm. do you see yourself marrying me? Okay, no, then I can't date you. I'm sorry. Right. You didn't have the, do you see yourself being spanked by this person? No, I. you would... Unless we didn't show up that day. <laughs> <laughs> we were out smoking. Yeah, there it is. We For found which it. we should have been spanked. Yeah, we should shit. We should have been the example. <laughs> I would have not wanted to be the example. I've been an example for, for a, a workshop. That was fun. On but, that note. <laughs> yeah, on that note. Is there Are there other points or was that it? No, we have more. Oh, good. Pious protestations aside, Christian wife spanking is clearly erotic. I like the word Christian wife spanking. If it were not, why is it practiced in the bedroom on a woman's bare bottom? Why not have the preacher do the spanking? In fact, why not have this preacher spank men when they are bad? Of course, penance. <laughs> <laughs> I love all of the questions, like the progressive line of questioning. <laughs> it really is wonderful. <laughs> oh, gosh. Of course, penance or punishment need not be routinely sexual. Punishing or being punished may have its own satisfactions. For example as a way of wiping the slate clean or asserting hierarchy. Punishment also can be simply a form of abuse or self-abuse. As we know, moral emotions like shame, guilt, and righteous indignation can be channeled in many directions towards many ends. Okay, so regarding that, what I'm gonna say is, um, I think it's interesting in terms of the shame culture mm. that um that like this is being talked about because there is this big big shame thing and when you offer a solution that also uh, let's say let, let's humor the the wife is aroused idea just for a second if that's the most sensual sexual contact she actually has with her husband that isn't like just P and V dry. Yeah. Then I could understand that. Like I could get that if that's like the closest he gets to fingering her, then of course she's going to be aroused. Yeah. Like that makes sense. Um, so like, I, I also get the idea of the shame thing, like getting rid of the shame would, I could see how that would be like, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, desirable. Well, and I think it's funny too, a lot of con, like referring back to the only website that I am aware of regarding mm -hmm. that, they specifically mention this mm -hmm. is not to be a sexual thing. This is purely mm -hmm. an act of discipline. And that also, I don't have you ever watched American Dad? Mm -hmm. Have you seen the episode where Fran starts taking Steve's spankings for him? No, apparently you haven't. I think so. Have you seen it? I don't think so. Okay, so there's an episode where Francine wants to be more adventurous in the bedroom, and Stan mm -hmm. is not having it. He's like, no, we're going to do missionary position like we do oh, every I remember, Tuesday yeah. night, and that's going to be the end of it. I remember. And then Steve, like, dropped, like, a plate or something. I don't remember what. He dropped something in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So Stan said, like, you know what to do. And Steve bent over his knee and he gave him a swat on the ass. Mm -hmm. And Francine was like, well, now hold on. <laughs> I told him to do that. So it's my fault. <laughs> so then that became her way of trying to 
explore a kink Mm -hmm. with him without him knowing that that's Mm -hmm. what was going on. Mm -hmm. And he gets really mad about that. Mm -hmm. Because how dare you? What's wrong with the way I do it? Mm -hmm. I think that that's... There's more truth to that than Seth wanted... Mm -hmm. Or would have had us believe when he made that episode. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Especially when talking about it from this context, I would be willing to wager Mm -hmm. comfortably... Yeah. That the husbands that this site did something legitimate for Mm -hmm. have no interest in exploring anything just south of fresh white as the driven snow vanilla. Yeah. Such as missionary once a month on a Tuesday. Yeah. It's always a Tuesday. With the lights off and it has to be raining too. That's, That's the other rule because there has to be no other thing that they can possibly go do. If they can't mow the lawn, if they can't work on the car, if they can't do something outside, then, yeah, we can talk about it. (laughs) But, yeah. Speaking of websites, let's go to Dominance and Submission. Um, Actually, before we do that, let's do our quick interlude. Let's do a break. I was going to say, let's do a break, because I need a charger, and I think we all need to get up and stretch, because my ass hurts, and it's not because of Christian domestic discipline. It's because I've been sitting here for goddamn ever. And we're back. What's we up, back. Andy? I, I found Count Chocula. You I'm did find now. Count Chocula. Okay, well, you're eating Count Chocula. I'm going to speed through at least one of these paragraphs. Um, this section is dominance and submission. One BDSM website for Christians suggests a BDSM relationship between a dominant husband and submif- submissive wife is actually the ideal... M- ideal of marriage set out in Ephesians 5, 22 through 26, taken to its logical conclusion. The author of Ephesians had this to say. Wait a second. <laughs> that sounds like we're like the news. Mm-hmm. The author of Ephesians had this to say. And That's now hilarious. for comment, the author of Ephesians. <laughs> right, exactly. Tom, back to you. <laughs> okay. Wives, submit yourself to your own submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. While few Christian couples own gags or restraints, a great many believe that God ordained a hierarchical hierarchical relationship between women and men and that this extends to the marriage bed. Women in this view were made from Adam's rib and caused sin to enter the world, and so should not be allowed positions of authority in the church or home. In the words of the New Testament, it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Wives should regard their husbands as they regard the Lord. Women are not permitted to speak, but should be subordinate. 1 Corinthians 14.33-35 This theology of male headship teaches that a woman's greatest glory lies in in bearing children and serving her husband. Protestant reformer Martin Luther put it bluntly, If a woman dies from childbearing, it matters not. She is there to do it. Hmm. That's fascinating. Okay. Obviously, this kind of relationship hierarchy and female servility can exist independent of male sexual dominance and female submission. Similarly, sexual hierarchy can exist in a more egalitarian relationship. 
Consequently, in any given Christian relationship, wives submit to your husbands may or may not be given a sexual interpretation. Either way, because humans are hierarchical social animal, animals, <laughs> animals, animals, dominance and submission may produce their own feelings of gratification. We've all heard that Islam means submission, literally. But submission is a pervasive theme in the Christian Bible as well. Children submit to their parents, women submit to men, slaves submit to their masters, and men submit to God, who in many passages is modeled on a Near Eastern warlord. For more modern born-again believers, conversion is often experienced as sweet surrender to the irresistible divine will. In each of these asymmetrical relationships, the person on the bottom gets excused from certain responsibilities, while person on the top gets power and authority. As observation of non-human primates suggests, there are privileges and obligations of each role in a hierarchy, whether dominant or subordinate. You want me to keep going, or do you have any thoughts yet? I have thoughts. Okay, cool. We only have two more paragraphs, FYI. Okay, understood. Um, it, again, showing my Bible illiteracy here. Mm -hmm. Is Ephesians Old Testament or New Testament? New. Really? I believe. Church of Ephesus. Okay. Because, and I ask because Vineyard and lots of other evangelical churches mm -hmm. like to pride themselves on Old Testament versus New Testament. We lean more into the New Testament because that right. depicts God as more of a loving, warm and fuzzy. And that, I would also say, is a misnomer. Because that, that's kind of a, I've read commentary on this that kind of calls that out as being a little bit anti-Semitic because it implies that the God of the Torah and mm. other, um, the other bits that I can't remember, um, Talmud, etc. The ones that, the, the Torah, which is, I, as I understand it, included like in the Old Testament, however you want to say that. Yeah. I know there are multiple ways to say that. But, um, it, uh, there's this leaning towards making God into this horrifying warlord from the, from this new Christian perspective to like, say we're better than Jews. Mm. So that's, okay. that's part of well, it. So that brings me another thing that I right. wonder if most evangelical churches know, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I wonder how many evangelical pastors, mm -hmm. especially ours mm -hmm. at Vineyard, are aware of what all that part was just saying. Yeah. Because it strikes me as odd mm -hmm. how often we would see wives come up to speak and when we would see them speak okay it was mostly on sexuality mostly on sexuality or on um body image body image yes and it was it was more often at youth conferences very mm -hmm. seldom at actual services correct that in part i would say was because our youth pastors were male and didn't bring new people in all that often. However, I would agree that of the people they brought in, very few were women. Because the a lot of the times 
we've talked about this specific little thing. Our pastors, our immediate ones, were really good to not objectify their wives before scooting them up to the pulpit. Right. But I have seen it at other churches where... Mm-hmm. It is my privilege, my children, my congregation to introduce this smoking hot tall glass of water. She is the mother of my children, and she is my wife. I get to come home to this and rail it every fucking day. Not (laughs) fucking, but not the point. And then she'd come up and she'd speak for ten minutes, and then he would shoo her away to deliver the main point of the message. Right. I can't... I... mm, Hearing how... Hearing a lot of, like... Brett's, Alon's mm-hmm. views on women, sexuality. I, I just, I have questions. Yeah. How do you, in good conscience, continue to rubber stamp that? Yeah. Not so much Alon, more so Brett, more so Chris, more so any current male pastor. Right. How do you continue in good conscience to validate that type of mm-hmm. speech? Yeah. While you may not do it yourself, your lack of your lack of condemning mm-hmm. of it is the same as saying that it's okay. Oh, definitely. It, definitely. Just because it's not your cup of tea mm-hmm. doesn't make it unacceptable, even though it, it should be. There, there are so many things that I wish we were better about saying, my group of people does this, I do not agree. Because there are so many things that there are nuanced situations and there are exceptions to rules and all of that. Like, I think the it's kind of like the idea that the microsecond we think we know everything is when we know nothing. Yeah. And I know I've been really susceptible to that, but I'm trying to get better. Um, but yeah, in regards to like the women being able to speak, I totally see where it was mostly purity. It was mostly body image. Um, it was, if it was addressed, it was self-harm. It was those kinds of girly issues that in all honesty, the guys should have been hearing it too. Tangent time. Yes, please. I don't know if you've seen this ad circling around Facebook. There is some preteen girls touring event similar to the revolve tour. Oh no. It's, I can't, I can't remember what it's, it's like the mommy and me pajama party. Okay. Um, all female speakers in the video, like in the promo that I saw, at least three close up shots were of girls crying into their mom's sides. I can already tell you exactly what they were talking about because I I know that it's the same shtick dog and pony show that we got at the Revolve Tour. Right. Where it's, you know, they're targeting body image issues, self-worth, self-harm. Mm-hmm. Trying to find it. I'm not... Social alienation, like, the, the, the big four. And I guess the issue I take with all of that was... Mm-hmm. It was a foreign concept if there was a preteen femme human Mm -hmm. who had any shade of confidence yeah because i i've always been this i found it by the way okay i've always been this i've always been very loud rambunctious and borderlining full of myself yeah i make self-deprecating jokes now how many of them do i actually believe and take seriously and cry in bed at night over yeah it depends day to day oh 
my god, this website is a treasure trove. Okay, we'll get to it in a second. But, I, I, I mean, I remember one of the first vineyard things where a female speaker came up and was talking about how, like, you know, you, you all are coming into a time in your life where magazines are going to tell you that you ain't too pretty. And mm-hmm. magazines are going to tell you that the boys are only going to talk to you if you're a certain size. Mm-hmm. I need to tell you that's not true. Mm-hmm. I didn't start thinking about that until it was talked about. Right. They're the ones who told us more than the actual real world did. Right. And then, I like, very seldom did I look at covers of magazines. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, like, when I was 10, 11, yeah, I was looking over the co- cover of Cosmopolitan, but that's because nine times out of ten it was a Victoria's Secret model on the cover. I'm like, oh, hello. Mm-hmm. How you doing? Alessandra, it's a pleasure to see you again. Um, mm-hmm. huh, I'm saying a lot of things. Um, but even then, there wasn't anything on the cover about... You're you're overweight, and that's why he won't sleep with you. Right. It was, here's tips on how to get him to sleep with you. Yeah. It oozed confidence. And you were always kind of looked at a little funny when you were like, no, I, I don't have any problems with myself. Oh, yeah. I never had any of those problems, I think, in part because I was just oblivious to femininity. Yeah. I was just like, I'm not really a girl, so why should I care? Um... And I just, I, I always more felt lacking. Like I always felt like there was something wrong with me in those. And not even so much that I didn't feel those things, but that I didn't care in the first place. Well, and I think it's a common theme with like, there was an idea that we talked about last season where... They wanted us to feel a certain emotion if we felt something else, or they wanted us to feel a certain amount of an emotion about Mm -hmm. things. They want you to derive your confidence from Big Daddy, Sky Sky Daddy upstairs. Yeah. They don't want you to naturally derive it from yourself. Yeah. And it it just, it's really shitty Mm -hmm. the way they go about making that happen. Yeah. Because... For the most part, most currently jacked up on Jesus women that I know, Mm -hmm. you don't hear them talk about body image issues, but they're very quick to spout off those fearfully and wonderfully made Bible verses. Right. And they do it often enough that it makes you wonder, what's keeping you up at night? What, why, why didn't you eat anything at the last party I threw? Right. Mm. So it's just, it. I, I don't, it's weird. Yeah. No, totally. It, it, sorry, I'm totally distracted by the, the, the website. Yes. All right. Get into it. Okay. So first off, we we'll have a boy. so that our guest can oh, yes. see it as well. Sorry. I don't know how it's to. Okay. I, I can see through the screen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Let's get this right here. Um, so we've got here, True Girl, there's a pajama party, um, we've got this video of young girls doing Bible study. Let's see what else we've got. Let's look at the resources. That looks like a good article, or uh, idea. 
Let's look at They're reading goals. a book called Lies Girls Believe. That's what the author is. That's what, the author of that book is the one who runs this. Oh. Um, I don't remember her name at the moment. Um, Six ways to help your tween manage screen time. The power of remembering. Oh, there's no summary to it. Four reasons to teach your daughter obedience. Yes, please. Let's fucking do it. Can I read it? Yes, totally. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my Southern Bale thing. Okay, cool. <laughs> this is all you. Do you want the laptop? Maybe scoot a little closer. There you go. Okay. The level of deception my daughter has stooped to, to in order to avoid submission has dumbfounded her dad and me, reported Janet. Her daughter, Molly, is extremely intelligent and gets A's and B's on all her tests and quizzes. She scores in the 9th to 7th percentile on standardized tests, but she doesn't like homework and in second grade decided she didn't need to do it anymore. Quite frankly, I also decided in second grade that I didn't need to do homework mm -hmm. anymore and I still graduated with honors Perch and Swivel Public School. <laughs> anyway, her teacher, of course, did not think that this was a good idea and began sending notes concerning Molly's lack of obedience and submission. They never made it home. I really doubt, unless, like, I feel like you should have clarified, is this child going to a Christian school or a public school? Because if mm -hmm. they're going to a public school, the word submission mm -hmm. would not be used unless it was literally, hey, she hasn't submitted a, an assignment mm -hmm. in weeks. Mm -hmm. Anyway. I thought that's what they were talking about. I, maybe. Mm -hmm. You're giving them a lot more grace than I am. Yeah, that's not what they're talking about. <laughs> Molly is currently in fifth grade. Janet and her husband have done everything they can think of to confront this issue and deal with their daughter's heart, but thus far to no avail. So at the beginning of each school year, Janet meets with the teachers to explain her daughter's problem with submission and to give teachers her cell phone number so that they can call directly when Molly stops handing in homework. That is a true story of a true girl mom who attended our focus groups when I was writing lies girls believe in the truth that sets them free. It wasn't an isolated story. Lots of moms were exhausted by their daughter's lack of submission. So, I asked all of them if their daughters had a hard time with obedience. Then I asked some of the daughters some questions to cross-check. Here is what they said. 76% <clears throat> of moms said their daughters struggled to obey. 97% of their tween daughters, thank you, Morgan. 97% of their tween daughters said that they struggled to obey. I'm writing this to beg you to require your daughters to obey. <laughs> Last month, I was at a children's conference where a speaker shared a tragic story. A toddler was running between two parked cars towards the street. The parent called for her to stop, but rather than obeying, the girl went into teasing mode and ran all the faster. She was giggling when the car struck her and killed her. Bruh. What? Okay, I mean... How, how does someone know that... I, I've heard people get hit by cars. Mm -hmm. You don't hear shit else. So how the fuck did you hear your kid laughing on top of a car hitting it? Yeah. Mm. Sounds like bullshit to me, but let's work a little bit deeper here. Man, I did not want to convey that true story to you. But I have not been able to stop thinking about the fact that tweens and teens and college-age students are running into proverbial streets of danger because they never learn to obey. I see parents all the time who tell their child two or three times to do something. When the child never does it, there are no consequences, not even a discussion. Sometimes there are bribes. Oh, thank you. 
Thank you. Here are four things on obedience that I think might encourage you. Number one, the Bible implicitly tells you to teach your child to be obedient. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right, Ephesians 6, 1. If God requires children to obey parents, that means he requires parents to teach obedience to their children. None of us obey without being taught. It is completely against our natural bent. It is part of your job to teach your children to practice obedience. Number two, requiring obedience on inconsequential things prepares a child to obey when the consequences could be severe. I'm sure the parents of that toddler thought it was cute when she ran away from them when it was time to change a diaper, and then it was time to take a bath, and then when it was time to go to bed. But those were blessed opportunities to train her for when obedience mattered. Number three, Teaching your child to obey you prepares them to obey God. Right now, the number one thing God expects of your daughter is to obey you. And did you know that most of God's commands com contain the word obey or honor? It's the lifelong task of every Christian to master submission to the God of the universe. Obeying you is a practice for that. Number four. Require <laughs> what? You can't laugh because I'll start laughing too. I just thought of the the name for this episode. Uh-huh. The bitter grapes submit. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Number four. Requiring obedience does not equal requiring perfection. Not every disobedience should be punished. Some are noted and passed over. You're not looking for perfection, just progress. After all, I doubt that you're obedient to the Lord a hundred percent of the time and he applies grace, doesn't he? There is no precise manual for when to offer grace. Oh, she plays fetch. That's why she's trying to offer you her stuffed animal. I see that. Children should learn from our parenting that God demands obedience, but also that he is patient and slow to anger. 1 Timothy 1.16 Now, if you just read those four things and feel like you need to push reset, do it! There is grace for you! And we have just the tool that you need to help. Since I have been so burdened by the statistics from the Lies Girls Believe focus groups, I decided to build an entire toolbox of discipleship tools around this topic. If you want resources to teach your daughter the importance of obedience, check out the True Girls subscription. This month we are focusing on the topic of obedience in the barn box. Obedience in the barn? Sure. <laughs> that. Sounds like a not appropriate thing. The True Girl subscription is your toolbox to teach her to love her Bible. Every month your inbox can be filled with a coaching video on important topics and tools to draw your daughter into the Word. And our ultimate option includes a box delivered right to your door every 60 days. We select age-appropriate, Christ-centered themes for each box and fill them with all new items that build the habits of spiritual discipline. So what you're telling me is it's Christian capitalism. Yeah, sounds about right. A, are you, you're telling me there's a subscription box to Christianity. There's a subscription box to obedience. Oh, nice. <laughs> and they break it down into different subscriptions. If I just want to talk about obedience with my kids for... Two months, according to this. I Wait, what? Different topics? Every 60 days. 
That's fantastic. So I could spend two months talking to my children about obedience. Do, do you get a paddle with one of the subscriptions? Oh God, I hope no, <laughs> no. The daily, according to this mom, here is what the, here's the here's what this one mom is saying. The Daily Devo book is so easy to use and gets my daughter curious and more excited about God's Word. It's getting me in the Word, too. I'll get you in the Word. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Alright, so that was just on obedience. I, I kind of wish that it went down, like, I, I wish that it would have detailed that a little more. Mm -hmm. Or at least given, like, a, a summary on how or what words of advice it offers because I feel like I could expand more on that mm -hmm. where there was there another there were a couple in there can we go back and see what do we want to finish the kinky one are we we on a tangent for the moment we're on a tangent for the moment I, okay. I'm really I'm really glad that you climbed down this rabbit hole and took us with you you're welcome echo you can't have no go lay down I love you so much echo what are your thoughts on obedience clearly you have some Thoughts on obedience, not obedience itself. <laughs> Maybe we need... No. We all need to take Echo to this pajama party and see what... Like, just put a wig on her. And pajamas. And pajamas, yes. <laughs> I can get her a matching piggy flannel thing. Oh like, God. pants and a sh button-down shirt to wear with her collar. Oh, that child looked so angry for a second, that one. Yeah. I would throw holy water at that if it was standing at the foot of my bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Let's see what that one's about. The most important blog I'll post this year. Let me make sure this isn't awful. See, it's weird websites and things like this that's making me feel like I'm very happy that I didn't grow up in that kind of environment. Yeah. I'm skipping the ones that are about, like, serious things because I don't care. I don't want to know what they want to say. Uh, are you sure you want to? Do you want to? Well, I was going to respond to Morgan really quick. Yeah, totally. I, I should clarify that there are a decent number of vineyardians or vineyardites. I don't know mm -hmm. what we ever agreed to call ourselves. Less bitter grapes? Yeah, less bitter grapes that turned out okay. Mm-hmm. I think a sure. lot of people just kind of showed up and went through the motions and didn't really get as deeply involved as we did. Mm-hmm. Very true. Understandable. So it's not it's not totally a quest. Like, honestly, though, I'm with you. If I had it my way, I, I wouldn't. Even, like, going forward, I have no desire to subject no. My, my children to church or... Well, my kiddos are going to, like, learn, like, to respect the earth, like, pagan type. Yeah spirituality like buddhist philosophy like things that i subscribe to but it's only because i think those things are good and when they get to the age where they don't want to that's fine i just want to give them something that they can learn because one thing i will give is i've found that people don't who don't have any spiritual like inclination inclination are generally really angry Mm. And I'm not saying that that's o it's only the only people in the world who are angry are non-religious people because obviously there are many angry relig religious. I was going to say we went to church with quite a few hotheads. Right, right. I, I being one of them. <laughs> what I'm getting at is more the peaceful aspect of like as much as those Christians are angry, they have peace with who they are. Yeah. In their in relationship to their God. Yeah. 
And I think that that can be, even if it's not a healthy belief in where you are in the universe, at least you believe in the universe. Sure. Um, because I have, I really have found that people who don't believe in any sort of thing outside of themselves are a lot less happy in some very real ways. Mm. And I, and I think that, I don't think that's the only common denominator, most definitely, but I think that might have to do with it. Interesting. Okay. But, um, do we want to go into one of these deeper ones? No, we'll we'll backtrack back out, but we're we're gonna come back to this because I am intrigued. Yeah. Um it'll probably be on our own time or something like that. But Well, I wish I had it cussed at my husband. Is that one of the true girl things? Yes. Oh my How god. How to talk to your daughter about Afghanistan? What? <laughs> I'm so confused all of a sudden. Why you might need to practice speaking. Um um, I don't know. So what I'm sensing here is a, a recurring theme of here are things that you as an up and coming Christian girl need to feel shame for. Right. That you might not have otherwise. And that's one of the most interesting things about shame and all that it encompasses. Yeah. It's not an organic thing. I mean... When I was two, apparently I hated, I mean, I still hate clothes, but I, I'm wearing clothes because you guys are here. <laughs> we appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I did it for you guys. But before Isaiah was born, mm -hmm. my mom could not keep clothes on me to save her life. It became right. like a nightly thing where I would run streaking through the house because I hated clothes. It has now manifested into me joking at work about taking my pants off when I'm having a psychotic episode. <laughs> Did I tell you this story? Yes. Have I told you this story? Mm -mm. Okay. So I have a really weird relationship with hair ties and pants at my job. I lose hair ties frequently and I use them to kind of keep my city car key on my wrist. Um, and I, I hate, I hate our pants. They're like this polyester swishy windbreaker pants. Yes. Okay. One of my supervisors and I were having a conversation one day and we were talking about fighting each other. Completely unprofessional, right? I I meant to say the gloves are off. <laughs> I was about to say, the gloves are off, pal. I'm done. I said the pants, and then I stopped. And he goes, what about your pants? I was like, well, apparently I was going to say that the fucking pants are off. You know what? The pants are off. I'm ready to fight. Let's go. So then it became this steady... Um, joke. Joke of... It, is Andy having a bad day? Are her pants on? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, if you need me, I'm walking up Lane Avenue with no pants on. It's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Wait, why do you have no pants on now? What's wrong now? <laughs> the guy called me Tubby and he almost hit me with his car. My pants are off and I'm done. <laughs> So that's, can I steal that? Because that's amazing. The, yeah, I, I, I want to make it a I mean, thing. That's a legitimate reason to have your pants off. <laughs> pants so, off, dance off. So now, people in my life, up to and including my boss, have taken to getting me festive boxer briefs. I have avocado boxer briefs. I have pink pineapple boxer briefs. I have flamingo ones with palm trees, and they are amazing. Um, I have a pair of Batman ones. Of course. 
Like, I'm covered for a whole, like, I have a whole week's worth of funky underwear, and I love it. And I love that, that I have that relationship at my job. <laughs> so. That's magnificent. Would you like me to go back to Christianity and kink? We have two. We, oh, have no, two. We, were, we were still talking about shame, and then we can go back to Christianity. Okay, cool, because we only have two uh, paragraphs left. But prior to that, the only experience I had with joking about taking clothes off or, I mean, any part of the human anatomy was right. at church where I wasn't allowed to say the word but. Right. It, because, the, and I was like, why can't I say that? And then all of a sudden I got like a complex about it where I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't say but at all. Mm -hmm. And it was just, uh, it's really weird that a place that that thrives on saying, there's no shame here, there is freedom in the Lord Jesus. No, I've, I've got it. I'm here. Mm -hmm. There is no shame here, there is freedom in the name Lord Jesus. I pray this over you right now. But we want you to feel shame about this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and that, and that, and that, and that, and this. Mm -hmm. Oh, and this too. You can feel shame for that all day long. Yeah. That's weird it's, to me. It's fascinating to me because, like, in therapy, my one therapist um, poked at that, poked at the shame thing. And he's like, you don't make eye contact. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Fuck, someone noticed. Still not making eye contact. Oh. Someone finally noticed. <laughs> um, but it's been also interesting... Um, Speaking to that with the DID, when different parts of my brain are active, it's easier yeah. because I feel less shame. And there are also other like psychological, neurodiverse reasons why eye contact is hard for me. But beyond the physical pain, it's not as emotionally hard anymore. Like I'm one where it like physically pains me sometimes if I don't know people to make eye contact, which is why ASL is really kicking my ass already. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping it desensitizes me because that would be really nice. Have I given you the fun fact about eye contact? No. Did you know that in most European cultures, it's mm. actually not appropriate to make eye contact unless you're making a sexual advance at them? Okay. So there you go. That makes me feel better. I, was, I, I hope that it would. I'm glad that it did. Yeah, it really does. Like, in France, if you make eye contact with somebody, like, on the train or something, mm -hmm. this happened to my French teacher. That's why I'm being very specific mm -hmm. about this. She and her, like, backpacking buddy made eye contact with these two dudes on the train, and they actually rode with them the entire way until they got to their stop and tried to follow them off the train. And she asked one of the dudes, like, quite enough, what's up? Mm-hmm. Ah, no, no, merci, no, merci. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pourquoi? So, like, it's... I'm mad that you get to show off your language skills, but I will never be able to show off my language skills on podcast. Aside from that, uh, I don't get to use it very often. You saw the last time I got to use it because we almost got fucking kidnapped. We did almost get kidnapped. Oh my god. But the pictures were awesome. I, I'm glad you liked them because I, I, for a minute I was like, oh, these aren't that great. Why do other photographers do such a good job? No, it was fantastic. I wish my hair wasn't in my face for the one, but otherwise. But we can go do them again. I don't mind. But <laughs> either way. Um... Yeah, no. Story time, and then we'll get back to kink and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Took Nova to get their pictures done in the short north. I, I, One of my buddies gave me a Nikon P950 camera. I was stoked. 
Nova was more than willing to be my guinea pig, and for that I'm forever grateful. <laughs> We're walking down High Street, and it's like 10.30 in the morning. It is too early for some of the fuckery that went on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this dude in a bright pink suit, and I'm, I'm reticent to call it a suit because it had like... It was mismatched. It was mismatched. Different shades of lavender and pink and green. And it had, like, funky... Pa- like, the pants had a different funky pattern than the jacket. hmm And I was taking Nova's picture as we're crossing the street at 4th and High. And all of a sudden, this dude comes running up to get in the picture. I have a picture of this happening. <laughs> I'm a, How uncomfortable do I look? You actually didn't. You took it in stride very well. Better than I did. Because the whole time <laughs> really? I'm like, uh... Hi, can I help you? Well, I didn't have to talk to him, that's why. So then he was talking about how, like, uncultured Americans are. I figured that's what it was. No, this was before he and I went on a French tangent. And I got kind of offended, and I was like, oh, uncultured? Parlez-vous français? Je suis fluide en français. So then he and I start talking in French, and he said something about cochon américain. So he was talking about Americans being pigs. So Mm. to him, even after that conversation... Americans are just uncultured pigs. Whatever. Yeah. For the most part, we actually kind of are. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but then he was very insistent. He was like, oh, you two are so beautiful. Uh, let me get a picture with both of you. Uh, no merci. Bon nuit, merci. He, like, I was really uncomfortable because I was like, I don't want him to put his arm around me. That That's like the, that's the line. Like, I can like be close, but like, oh. I can't remember. I'd have to go get the camera and look. Did he? He didn't put. His no, he didn't. That would have. No. That would have caused some issues. I mean, after saying all that, he still actually wanted to take. He wanted photo. another picture with like, us. Why? Yeah. I, that's. that's I th- I think though, in fairness, because he he was speaking very quickly, I may have missed something. Mm. It may. He yes, he did say American pigs. Mm. He may have been talking about like in general, maybe like. Maybe I took him by surprise. I don't know. Mm. I'm, again, trying to give benefit of the doubt and depend on the kindness of monsters. Yeah. But, yeah, like, that's the only way I can justify him still wanting a picture with us after yeah. that. Yeah. But I, I was 96% sure that one of us was going to get snatched up. Yeah. I still see him, by the way. Now, now, having had that conversation with him and actually making eye contact and seeing his face, mm-hmm. I see him almost daily now. It is weird. Yeah, I yeah, that would be weird. I keep looking out for the guy who punched me, but I never, I never recognize him. I don't think I would, in all honesty. But like, I can't. Anytime I see anybody on my alley. I freak the fuck out. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to desensitize myself by walking to class, mostly because it, it's anxiety-inducing get, getting the bus. Yeah. Because of timing, where I'm like, I don't want to be around a bunch of people. I don't want to have to find a seat because, like, I'm the last stop before the union. Yeah. And I just don't want to deal with that. So I will happily walk 10 minutes to my ASL class every morning. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm constantly anxious about that now. Eh, it's whatever. It's, I can't undo it. Want me to go find him and whack his kneecaps? Well, if I could recognize him, sure. I'll know. You'll know? I'll know. 
Okay. Well, I did see a guy who had like his his arm bandaged up, oh, and yeah. I was like, "Oh shit! I hope that's not him." Echo, go lay down. Your tail can lay cities to waste, and we can hear it. <laughs> um, but yeah. So you all of that to say, you saw the last time that I yes. used French. I don't get to use it that often, <laughs> so it's kind of a flex when I do. How long has this blog been running? I don't Jesus know. Jesus Christ! It's active. Oh no. And it started in 2006. May of 2006. Dedication. Yeah, I kind of want to know more about it in a second. But do you want me to finish up this article? Yes, let's finish that up. Um, Biblically and historically, within human society, these privileges and obligations extend to the sexual domain. Speaking to um, uh, obligations and privileges of roles and hierarchy. With men giving daughters in marriage, housing concubines, and claiming war captives. Females are essentially male property. In no place does the Bible state or imply that a woman's consent is needed before sex. And in fact, non-consensual asymmetrical sex is routinely sanctioned or blessed. In other words, within a modern context of mutual adult consent and role-playing, BDSM experiments with aspects of sexuality that were non-consensual, non-playful parts of the Iron Age cultural fabric from which Christianity emerged. Whether each, whether either Christianity or BDSM is good for society or good for the people involved, I leave for you to decide. A biblical rule of thumb might suggest that the consequences are what matters. By their fruits you shall know them. Bible believers often claim that they are a moral beacon to the world, a shining light on a hill. In particular, many look with disgust on the curious, open sexuality of modern society. A closer look, look might suggest that their claims of superiority are unwarranted, that, just like the rest of us, they are complicated creatures whose spiritual and sexual practices are driven by an array of motives and instincts. Do Christian teachings and practice simply draw on the same aspects of human psychology and physiology as kink, or do they actually lay groundwork for BDSM sexuality? I know of no research that attempts to tease this apart, but given the overlap, maybe someone should find out. Hmm. I know someone who's trying. Okay, so I, I, I do have... Questions here. Mm-hmm. Talking about consent in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Might that explain why every young woman's battle does not say anything about consent? Oh, fuck. I never thought about. Make somebody wander. What do you mean by that? Uh, okay. So, sorry. Backstory. Yes. Uh, earlier I mentioned a book called Every Young Woman's Battle. Mm hmm. In this book, it outlines how to maintain a pure lifestyle, up to and including no sex before marriage. Talks about how masturbation is bad, what type of women constitute Mrs. Right. Right. And they kind of did, they took like a sample group of alleged guys that said, well, I want a guy, I want a woman whose weight is proportionate to her height. I want a woman who takes care of her hair and her nails. She doesn't have to look like a cover model, but she should be somewhat attractive. (laughs) Um, We don't want her to have guy friends, but if she does, then we want to be involved in those friendships as well. We're jealous, but only to such extent that as long as we know her friends, we're fine. Okay. So, things like that. But you can't be alone. They can't be alone together. They can't be alone together, and they can't be overly giddy if their guy friend comes around. Right. That's a problem. That's a red flag, per this book. This book does not mention any 
any hint of what happens or if you're assaulted, what happens if... No, it did have a section on assault, but it it, it, it blamed us. Yeah, it, it talked about guarding your body. So it placed oh. the responsibility on a, a teenage girl's shoulders. Basically. basically implying okay. if something happened to you against your consent, you weren't protecting yourself enough. Yeah. So, kind of gross. Kind of problematic. Okay. Kind okay. of infuriating. Makes us kind of... Make bitter. a whole podcast about it. I was going to say bitter, but okay, that's fine. Sorry. That's <laughs> cool. I, I trampled all over your joke. I jumped in the way of the bus. And you did warn us that you do that, so I, I can't do. be mad. But, um, yeah, no, it makes me wonder. Yeah. Why, why would consent not be mentioned? That is a really interesting point about, like... Hey, Shannon Etheridge, if you can explain that part, what's our email? <laughs> I think it's bittergrapespodcast at gmail.com, but I'm yeah. not sure. Shannon, holler at me. I want to yeah, know. That would be fun. We do. I mean, we have some some listeners, I guess. I don't know. Um, we did at one point. We did at one point. <laughs> I need to I need to actually post these reboot episodes. These days it might just be me. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind. We do it for us, if nothing else. It's therapeutic, I think, to like talk about these things. Yeah, we get a good laugh at it. Mm-hmm. And I so like we that don't I, cry. I was going to say, I like that I've gotten to a point where I can make fun of a lot of it now. Mm-hmm. It was traumatic for a very long time, because I remember the day after I lost my virginity, like, thinking, like, I don't feel any different. Like, I feel bad, but not different. Like, I still feel shame, but it's I felt, no different than the shame I felt beforehand. I felt both bad and different. Okay. Like, and I think that was just because I took the phrase damaged goods and chewed up bubblegum a little too seriously. I mean, yeah, I did too. I mean, think about my situation. Yeah. So, yeah, I use, <laughs> I use lose my virginity as an, e- an easier way of explaining that situation. Okay. Morgan, you said that you did not experience anything at all like this. Let me ask you, did you ever hear of the chewed up bubblegum analogy? Um, yes. Okay. And I don't know where or when I have, but yes. Okay. I was hoping you wouldn't because I was going to recite it. <laughs> I mean, you can if you want. No, it's not worth all okay. that if you've already heard it. Well, we should... heard about it in the term of sexual purity. Like... But what we can tell her about is the brownies. The brownies. Tell her about the brownies. <laughs> tell her about the brownies, Andy. All right. So for our listeners, you're going to have to go back to like... Season one, episode three, I believe. <laughs> That's where the brownies were already covered. But since we have a guest here who has not heard about the fucking brownies, we're going to get into the fucking brownies. Literal so, fucking brownies. This purity small group that I told you about, right? Mm-hmm. The first night was kind of like an introductory thing. The host of this group made it like a party. Like a like very Valentine's Day romantic-esque. Dim lights, heart-shaped confetti all over the place, candles... Really weird for teenagers, right? Yeah, I mean, that seems wrong if that's what you're trying to avoid. Yeah, yeah. Okay, continue. Um, it was... I I heard the perfect thing for it on that chick's Instagram. Mm Mm-hmm. It was a way of trying to light a fire in you as to what this... Like, married life could be like this. You could have hearts and candles all over the place until the day you die, as Mm -hmm. long as that expensive rock is on your finger. The host of this party brought out two separate plates of brownies. 
the first one I humbly give you. We're talking like two, <laughs> two layers off lid, inch thick brownies mm -hmm. with a thick ass layer of frosting in between them. Thick ass layer of frosting on top, sprinkles, the works. These things look divine. The second platter, a little burnt, a little deflated, a little <laughs> pathetic looking. And when we all remarked on that, the host said, well, yeah, that's because I made these, the, the shitty looking ones, <laughs> the shitty looking ones with dog poop from my neighbor's yard. It was supposed to be an illustration of married sex versus premarital sex. Married sex is supposed to bring two people together per what the Bible says mm -hmm. to become one. Yeah. So the thick ass layer of frosting in between is the married sex and it's delicious and it's wonderful and it's divine and you love it. Your spouse loves it. Everyone loves it. The dog shit brownies. I mean, yeah, you could probably have one, but do you really want to, do you really want to chance it that it's going to taste exactly like what it's made with? Mm -hmm. So it very quickly became this. If you've had sex before you're married, you've eaten a dog poop brownie. You are damaged goods. Yep. And there is no praying to restore that. Even if you do become a born-again virgin, it will not be the same. How is your future husband or future wife going to feel on your wedding night if you tell them that they weren't worth the wait? That oh, you no, didn't they get think a better blowjob. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, we endured that small group once a week. A year. For about a year and a half. Oh, that's how long it was? Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> yep, every single week. It was Thursday, because we wow. went... I went to small group on Wednesday as well, and my then we grand, had... Well, and I mentioned this in the in the episode where we talked about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my grandma came with me to this thing, by the way. <laughs> she... Our small group was on Thursday nights, and because I was so uncomfortable with going, and my mom was really against me going... Okay, yeah. Grandma actually paused our small group to go with me. Which added to my discomfort. Mm -hmm. Although it ended up being that my grandma was like actually really helpful with a lot of that. Okay. Because that she actually thought most of it was bullshit, and I actually had a really interesting conversation with her the other day. Mm -hmm. I showed her that modesty video where the girl was talk like pretending mm -hmm. to be a camp counselor talking mm -hmm. about some of you guys are hugging the other boy campers, and we can't have that. We got to take our modesty to the next level. Did I send you that one? I don't think so. So the the girl that I sent you the other videos mm. of, she has one where she's pretending to be a camp counselor at middle school church camp. Okay. Hey, ladies, I just really want to thank you guys all for minding our modesty policy, except for Sarah here who has to wear a hoodie and jeans in 90 degree weather because I caught her in a tank top. <laughs> I instantly had a Vietnam flashback to me yeah. being at summer camp in middle school wearing a hoodie and jeans because nothing in my closet would have been considered acceptable to wear at church camp. Right. And then she goes on to say, now, it has been brought to my attention by some of the guy counselors here that you ladies are hugging the boys. We're going to do an exercise really quick. You're going to hug each other from the back. You feel that back there? Boobs. Some of you guys are starting to develop boobs, and you are causing these boys to stumble by hugging them because they're <laughs> thinking of boobs. I showed that to Grandma. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is I, like I was laughing and she, it wasn't like I blatantly said, Hey grandma, watch this. 
She looked over and she goes, what is that? I was like, oh, it's, it's like, she's kind of doing the same thing that Nova and I do with our mm -hmm. podcast. She's like, can I see it again? I showed her and she kind of looked at me and she, same thing I just said. Is that why you wore hoodies at camp every year? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it wasn't the only reason, but it helped. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, see, that w that's one of my issues with how they handled a lot of things. It wasn't just your guys' responsibility. I was like, oof. Oh, Grandma. It was not our responsibility. Where were you? The things. Like, I love that you say that now, but where was that mm -hmm. ten years ago? Yeah. But, no. So. Super fun. Yeah. Maybe you were better. Maybe you are better off for not going at all in the first place. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You might have been onto something there. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely grew up in a very different environment altogether, so. Well, and the weird thing, like, my, Nova and I have talked about this. My mom was very bothered by a lot of what Vineyard was teaching and talking about. Okay. My mom could not, my mom would feel horrible every summer when she would look at what I was packing for camp. Miranda, you don't need to pack hoodies. You can wear a tank top. Please. I have hundreds. Go grab some and put them in your suitcase. No, Mama, I can't. They don't. The straps aren't three fingers wide and the boys will see my bra strap and they'll stumble. What do I do? Miranda, that doesn't even make any fucking sense. What are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> they'll see my bra strap and they'll stumble. <laughs> it, I just snorted. <laughs> So it would be very interesting to to know the male point of view of like what they were being taught. If so you guys they were, were separated. Well, that's the thing. This purity small group. No, we were all sitting in the same room, and we were told that girls give love or give sex to get love, and that boys give love to get sex, and that no boy in that room was there to be our friend. Mm -mm. The goal was to date them and marry them and have babies and build a church. Yep. Copy. They had a book. They had a book similar to ours. Mm -hmm. It was called Every Young Man's Battle. Because they did break us up at the end. To go over certain sections of our books. Mm -hmm. I might have jacked Max's copy one day when everyone was at the pool and I didn't feel like swimming. And I perused. There were things about guarding... Wait a second. So you're allowed to wear bathing suits? Yeah, right? Hmm. It's weird. Right. At a purity sense. small group. But hey... Go get in the pool and play chicken with each other. It's fine. Well, they had to be certain. You couldn't wear a bikini. Like, you had to wear a one-piece. Okay, what, what were the straps? Three? <laughs> the a lot of the fingers. times, yes. Mine weren't. Okay. That one, like, red tankini I had, it was a halter top. But yeah, but they did, have, they did have... I remember, though. They did have to still be at least, I think, two fingers. But halter tops were okay. Yeah, and that's so weird... It's so weird to me. I think that might have been it. Or I could be completely full of shit. I don't yeah, remember. But you're in the pool, you're all wet, and I don't know. It's just like the whole thing. It just yeah. seems... Oh, no, I agree. Mm -hmm. We Yeah. Yeah. Um, fuck, what was I saying? Um, Max's book. Oh, yeah. I jacked Max's copy, and I perused through it. Mm -hmm. The As far as I got before Mrs. M came around the corner with the purity s'more stuff mm -hmm. was about watching porn. Mm. And guarding your eyes, guarding your heart, that kind of shit. Yeah. It, but it didn't say 
at the, the just the probably two paragraph section I read mm -hmm. did not say anything about how it would rob their future wives mm. of a meaningful sexual relationship with them. Huh. Interessante. We might need to go buy a copy of that book or find one somewhere. You want to go to Half Price? Not right now, but at some point I'd like to. Just because I... This was the other interesting thing about this group. The whole reason this group came about was because every year, Vineyard, like part of their curriculum, like conveniently at springtime when layers were starting to come off and people mm -hmm. were starting to wear and more summer-friendly attires and prom, they would talk about sex mm -hmm. and why it's bad. But it was always just, sex is bad, do it when you're married. Wait until you're married. You've waited this long, you can wait a little bit longer. Heard. Got it. Mrs. M got very offended by that. She was like, no, this should be a lifelong conversation. This should be an in-depth conversation. I want to take this to the next level. I want to do this once a week. And these kids need to know. They need to know the. They need to know both sides of it. So, but that's not fetishizing sex in any way. Yeah, no. Well, and I, I've, I've joked about this before, too. Because, you know, the Ten Commandments say to not make idols of other things mm -hmm. I feel that the church in general not just vineyard church in general does a really good job about idolizing purity yeah so much that there are people out there who had traumatic honeymoon experiences and still have traumatic sexual experiences with their spouses mm -hmm. and that's why we're here that is why we're here on that note let's wrap it up <laughs> no pun intended. Don't be silly. Wrap your willy. <laughs> okay. Do you want to yell anything uh, explicit like you did last time at our little break? Wait, I wasn't explicit. I said be the person Mr. Rogers knows you can be. No, no, no. I mean our, our break for this episode, you were yelling when we went on break. I, I appreciated that. God damn it, Nova. You've got me monologuing. I can't do this. <laughs>